Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, my name is Matt, if I haven't met you yet. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I want to give you, before we jump into our text this morning, this is kind of like, uh, you know, we've, we've just, this is the second week of our um, new study in Galatians, the book of Galatians, and Charles preached last week. I kind of want to give you one of those, um, just trying to get my stopwatch started here for all of our sakes. Um, when you're watching a show and you're, you have a, a kind of a cliffhanger ending and you start the next episode, then you have this uh, sequence of here's what happened last time. Um, and it's important to know here because in the beginning of this letter to the Galatians, then the Apostle Paul, in writing a letter to a group of churches in a region called Galatia, he just right out of the bat came and said, uh, you foolish Galatians, how quickly you have departed from the gospel that I have been preaching to you. And if anybody is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what I have been saying, uh, then let that person be accursed. And then we cut on to the rest of the letter. Um, there's a lot at stake here. Um, these are very heavy accusations that the Apostle Paul is making. Um, there are grave consequences um, to... Uh, the belief in this message. This is a very big deal to Paul, and it is a very big deal to us. And so what we're going to have this morning is Paul is going to take that on from there, um, and he is going to make an argument about why we should uh, listen to him in particular and pay attention. So we'll say that to set this up. Uh, Let's go before the Lord, and uh, well, let me read the passage first, and then I'll pray, uh, and then we'll jump in. This is Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 24. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my formal life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus." Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Dear Father, would you help my words this morning be clear, uh, faithful, and true? Uh, Would you uh, use them? Uh, Would you open up our hearts and use them to communicate truth to each one of us as we stand before you in need of hearing from you? Um, We put all that we're about to do in your hands And we look to you in faith and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, 
this happened to me recently, uh, just to start out with a little bit of an illustration of what I think is going on here. Um, this might have happened to you. You ever get those pop-ups on your computer that say um, your Mac is infested with viruses, and so you need to click on this link, um, and we'll take care of the viruses for you? Um, especially if you're perusing um, uh, somewhat dubious websites looking for B-level monster movies that aren't available anywhere else. That's the kind of place you're, as I say that, I'm realizing this is recorded. So maybe uh, <laughs> we can audio engineer that out so I don't get in trouble later on. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, they're really clever. So some of them are obvious and some of them, I've, there are a few that pop up and they, they literally look like they're not coming from the web page, they're like coming from the system. And the irony about it is that um, it is these messages, they are presenting a kind of problem, a kind of fear um, to us uh, that needs to be addressed. Uh, but the twist is, it is only through taking up this solution that you are actually going to get to the problem in the first place. Uh, if you ever have those, do not click on that link. Um, that, that link is a fast-track way to actually infect your Mac with viruses. And no link is going to help you um, at that point. Uh, but we know this just about life in general, that sometimes a message of safety is actually a lure into slavery. And Paul is writing to this church in Galatia. He is concerned that this is happening, uh, that the Christian message has gone out. Um, it has spread. Jesus has risen from the dead. The gospel of grace alone through faith in Jesus has spread. And there's a, a fledgling and a young church um, that is growing and is experiencing the freedom of that message. And yet, in the context around it, there are all kinds of other voices. And they are voices of concern, and they are voices of fear. Um, and they are saying that, I mean, that's all well and good. You can believe in Jesus, but if you don't supplement that with a certain level of obedience, then you're really at risk of the kingdom of God not coming. Um, that this group is not going to be actually effective um, in bringing the kingdom of God, the kind of uh, um, shalom um, to society uh, that we hope for. It has to be supplemented. Or, you know, you hear Paul talk about his zeal, that there is, there's, you know, another part of this, that unless, you can believe in Jesus, but unless that is packed up with enough zeal, enough commitment to the cause, then you might at best, be just a, a complicit um, participant in this problem that is not helping the kingdom of God come. At worst, you actually might be a part of the problem holding it back. Uh, it has to be supplemented by an obvious level of zeal. Or it could be that you can believe in Jesus at all, but this cultural way of life has been handed down through generation and generation and generation and generation. And if you start getting too loosey-goosey uh, with this culture in the name of the freedom of the gospel in Christ, our whole way of life is going to dissolve. Um, that the very, you know, the things that we depend on, that we feel comfortable with in life are going to go away. That these, there are many, many powerful voices um, that were around Paul at this time. That they are, it's kind of like the pop-up. That the message of Christ has come, but they are giving a promise of safety. Uh, they're playing on a kind of fear. But then Paul is coming on the stage and he is actually twisting it. And he is saying that this promise of safety is not, there is no safety in that promise when you really think about it. That this promise of safety is actually a further lure to slavery.
and that it, you had best pay attention and realize this because there's a whole lot at stake. The gospel is that important, um, that total faith in Christ by grace alone. And so what is vital for us, what was vital for Paul, why he was writing this letter, and why this is important for us to pay attention to today, is it is vital that we are actually able um, to know the difference between alluring to slavery and through something that is, or what is the message that is actually something dependable? What is the actual path to freedom that we have been given? And this whole passage, Paul is making an apologetic. That's why he is defending his right to preach the gospel. It's not just about Paul, uh, but he is, this is a competing message among other messages. And he is, there are three reasons here where he is saying that you should pay attention to uh, Paul's gospel and not any of these other voices. We'll unpack each of them. The first, we're going to see that Paul's gospel has a divine source. Secondly, that it has a divine power behind it. And third, it has a divine object. Object meaning the place where it is devoted. But it is vitally important that we understand that that is the case because um, the truth is at stake. And Paul is trying to help us differentiate between the voices um, that we're hearing. So that's where we're going to go. Let's jump in here first to the divine source. And this is the first place that he jumps out to. um, Where Look in verse 10. Um, he says, for I, am I now seeking the approval of God, of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So right out of the gate... The first thing that Paul wants us to know is that the message that he is preaching, that it is actually coming from a divine source. It doesn't come from any human being. It doesn't come from human smarts. It doesn't come out of just a human sense of our own need. That this is actually a message from God himself. Uh, The true master who has called us into his service, who is saying that this is what I think at the end of the day, that this is what's true. Um, this didn't originate with Paul. It didn't originate from other people. And why do you think Paul would need to make that point um, in the first place? And, you know, if we, we read this passage, then it might seem a little confusing in the beginning why Paul keeps talking about his testimony and why he hasn't spoken to people in Jerusalem and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, uh, like maybe those would be good things to do. But apparently, and I don't know why exactly what the debate is, but there's some sense behind the scenes that Paul is being accused of uh, being the result of politics. That the message that he is preaching is biased in some ways. That is, it has come from particular reactions or influential people or arguments. And so therefore, it is inherently untrustworthy uh, because it's biased. And so Paul is refuting that by saying that, to the contrary, it is not what I am preaching that is biased and is the source of human beings. Um, That the gospel that I am preaching actually comes directly from God. um, And that this other message that you're hearing actually has more to do with the moment, the cultural moment, the the political issues of the day, than than the message that I'm preaching. And this is important because the source matters to us. And the biases behind the source really matters. And just to illustrate, think about when you were in middle school or high school um, and your mom would tell you that, um, you know, you're beautiful 
you're a really special person. Like, you should just go out there and be yourself. Um, and you are just a delightful human being. And all of your friends, you know, there are, there are some of those other friends, particularly the cool people, who would not be saying the same message. They had other standards uh, that you might not necessarily have lived up to. And who do you really trust? You know, the, the, the words from mom are, they make us feel good. But at the end of the day, there's always that voice in the back of our heads that's saying, but of course she would say that because she's my mom. <laughs> you know, there's a kind of bias in here. Um, and that, you know, there's actually a lot at stake um, if I believe that bias message, that it might actually put me vulnerable um, in front of my other friends. Source matters. Where source comes from really matters. We see this in, in life all the time today. Um, you know, just, you can pick any political pundit um, of who, whatever network they're on, and I know there are people that whatever they say, you're not going to listen to just because it comes out of that person's mouth or because it comes out of that place. Because there's a sense in which, you know, the muddled, the place that the source comes from really matters. Is this a pure source or is this the result of all these other outside influences? And we feel that. We feel that greatly, especially in a divided world that we have now, as divided as it is. It is very hard to determine uh, what is a legitimate source and what sources of truth we're listening to. They are, they, um, are coming through particular biases. And the thing about Paul's gospel that he is preaching is he is saying that this, this and this alone is the only message that comes from somewhere that is totally free of bias it is totally free of miseducation. It is totally free um, of historical suspicion that this is a message that comes directly from God himself, and that is why it is dependable. I think where this comes down for us is that we find ourselves in a position where when we have a hard time trusting where stuff comes from, where it is, what is dependable and what is not, then it makes us anxious, and we end up reverting into ourselves. And that at the end of the day, the harder it is to trust, the more we will depend on ourselves. We will retreat inward. We will say, what's right and wrong, it, it's going to have to come from me because I really have no other choice. I have no other choice, no other way to make decisions. And it is in that place that we find ourselves more susceptible, actually. We are less free, but we are more susceptible to the influences that are around us we are more susceptible to the masses, um, what the masses are going to say. We are more susceptible to powerful and influential people. And Paul wants us to know that the source of where we are getting our truth, it really matters. That there is a source that is dependable for us. That wherever we are, whatever we are facing, that the message that is coming from this source is utterly dependable and it will always be so. It will not change. It will not rise. It will not fall. This is something that you can take with you and you can depend. You can depend on forever. And so I think the application for us, just taking this first you know, testimony that, that, that Paul has given, is where is the source that we are getting our truth? I mean, we really have to dig in and think about it. Like, where, what, what are the sources that we actually pay attention and what we listen to? And where is that coming from? It could be from a political, you know, uh, uh, group. It could be from the academy, you know, an academic um, institution. It could be uh, just the group 
of people around us, a peer group, that have a powerful, a powerful influence. It could be just a suggestion of a friend. Um, often these days it comes from um, somebody on YouTube who is speaking, giving their account, uh, their testimony of what their life has been like, um, and therefore you know, what is dependable and what is not dependable. Um, that's a good question for each of us to ask. Where is the source that we are getting our truth from? And is that source actually coming from a place that is dependable? And Paul wants us to pay attention here to what he is speaking for, for that reason. But here's the catch. Anybody can claim this. Almost everybody that claims to know something, they claim to have the trump card and that they're the reason why they are the dependable one. Um, and so there has to be more than that of just somebody claiming, saying that my gospel... You know, my good news, my truth comes from a higher source than, than your truth. Um, and so Paul moves on from there. He doesn't, he doesn't just stay there. But he goes on to recount his testimony. And what I think he is illustrating in this case, that where he is getting this, his source from, is that not only it comes from a divine source, but that it actually comes with a divine power that is actually able to break in and change people, despite all of the influences that are around that are around um, in that time, place and time. And so he is the ultimate example of this. He recounts his testimony. He says, you remember how I was the most talented. I was advancing through Judaism beyond people of my age, had tons of honor. I had more zeal than anybody else, the best education, the most commitment, all of these things, and was so zealous that I was actually persecuting the church so that it would be stamped out. But what happened, almost in a moment, that God invaded Paul's life, and he said, this is not the direction that is going to be of your life, that you are going to be my servant. And his entire disposition changed 180 degrees. And I think we know that this doesn't often happen. Like, people just don't change their mind like this. And dare, dare in a sermon, I invoke the wisdom of John Mayer. But, you know, there's that song that was popular a while back that nobody ever changed their mind because of something someone yelled real loud one time. No one ever changed their mind because of something that someone wrote on a sign. And I think we, we all are feeling the kind of, this kind of, uh, tension in society, like, like with the division that we feel every day. Like, what does it take to change someone's mind? How does someone go from a hundred, you know, from going this direction, turning completely and going the opposite direction? Like, it doesn't come from um, the masses, usually. It doesn't come from influential people. Um, but that's, that's something I think that is continually elusive to us. But what Paul is giving is a testimony, and this is not just something that is written, like to us, we're reading the Bible, this might just seem like something somebody said when they're writing on a page. But Paul is someone who's known. He is citing people who are known all in this area. He is citing particular places of where he has gone. He says, you know my story about this. But what happened to me is that God invaded my life, and he changed it 100% in the other direction. That this gospel that is, that I'm preaching, it actually comes with the divine power. It comes from the, with the ability to change lives. That's what happens when I get ahead of myself. 
Um, they're, they're, and not only that, so this is the power that God stands behind this. So God actually guarantees this power. But what is the actual message that he is preaching? It is something that is so countercultural and powerful all, all together. That this is a message about where the most powerful, the most powerful man, rather than coercing people, rather than coming with a sword and dominion, he laid down his life for the sake of his friends. And any of our means, just think about any means that we have of convincing other people. Um, ultimately, I think what we end up doing is just reshuffling the pot. We'll get some people on our side and we'll make enemies of some people. There's always this sense of, of that we almost make draw more lines in new places and make more enemies and friends. And the message of the gospel it is not one of power being used for power's sake to bring people in under the wing, but it is about the powerful who is actually able to make enemies into his friends. It is a self-giving kind of love and devotion. Um, this is what Paul is preaching from Christ. It, this is the message of grace, that the God of heaven would lay down his life, that he would take upon all of the ills of the world, that he would take upon all of your sin that he would take on all of the brokenness into himself so that he can give life. There's a divine power. This is a different kind of message. And I would propose to you, I don't have evidence to back this up, but it is much more vogue now to hear stories of people who grew up in the church and who had some uh, experience and and left uh, for various reasons, um, not commenting on any of those reasons. But just as many are people who have from very random places all over the world, not just one particular culture, but who have had their lives turned around almost in a moment. The gospel continues to move. It continues to grow. There is a divine power that is behind this. But that, and so I, this, the same question applies to this. Not only where is the source of the good news that we believe, but what is the power that it actually has to change lives? Let's set the apologetic. That's a lot of head stuff that Paul is going so far. That's kind of the occasion of this letter is he's appealing to our head. But here's why it matters, I think, for you. He's going to move into, there's a point that is going to go a little bit deeper. Is that not only does uh, this gospel have a divine source, but it has a divine power, it also has a divine object. And this is something that is really important. Look at verse 10 where he is saying, For now, am I now seeking the approval of man or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And if you'll notice again, what is the effect of his ministry in verse 24 in these churches when they heard this glorious testimony about Paul? They're not not praising Paul. Somehow these people have been moved to worship God himself. The object of Paul's gospel is not Paul but it is turning the attention away to something that is beyond that. It is turning attention to Christ. And here's the deal. No matter if you are just new to this whole thing, trying to understand the gospel for the first time, or if you've been in a grace-based church and had you know, this gospel preached again and again and again your whole life, there are always messages that are going to come. They're going to be very, very, very persuasive. When any message just hints that you are not enough for whatever reason, 
you're probably going to believe it to some extent. If you're part of a high-achieving environment that has a high-achieving culture that continues to reinforce that unless you do this, you are not enough. You need to keep pushing so that you can be enough. That voice will be very, very powerful. And we will want to listen. The voice inside, am I you when you come into this room that says, you're really a fraud. Like we put on this face and come in here, but I know what it's like in my home. And I can say the gospel, I can preach it this way with my mouth at one time, and at the same time, I have no idea how to handle what I'm handling in my life. You're probably a fraud. You don't belong. As a persuasive voice. There are so many voices that we have every day that say somehow you are not enough as it is. But here's the value bit. Why is Paul a servant of Christ? Why does he have a divine object? Because Paul has realized that of all the other voices, all the other influences, all the other factors that have gone in his life, that God has made him the total focus and object of his work and his love. Even in the worst, most chaotic way he could have been living life before, going all the way in that direction, this is the God who intervened and who gave him his total undivided devotion and love in the midst of that. And does that mean that these other voices aren't going to hurt in some way when we're criticized? Does this mean that you know, we're not going to hurt if we're excluded, that we're not going to hurt all these things? Of course it doesn't mean that. These are effects of the fall. They're always going to hurt. But at the end of the day, with all that being made true, God, through Christ, has devoted himself to you. He is the one who personally stands behind this message that is being preached. He is the one who guarantees whether your sin is taken away or whether it is not. He is the one who guarantees whether you are loved or whether you are not. He is the one who guarantees whether you are important and special to him or whether you're not. This is a very personal thing. Paul's life has been invaded by a very personal love that is expressed through Jesus on the cross. And the effect of that is when these other voices come, hurt though they may, they are not the loudest and they are not the most important voice that he has to hear. He can enter into this situation in Galatia and risk um, being really not well thought of. And he can say, but I am a servant of Christ at the end of the day. And I am full. I am good with that. I grieve for the Galatians, but I am full because of Christ. And I think in closing, I just I would point us to these words about, that Jesus gives in... Um, in uh, where am I? Matthew chapter sixteen, famous words: Whoever desires to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is not about who can suffer the most, and this is not about who can grind out life more than anyone else, who is more determined uh, to be able to lose their life. 
is the issue is that Christ has so offered himself personally in grace that he is all we need. That this is life in abundance at this point. And anything else anybody can say about us, anything that anybody can take away, it might hurt, but it is not worth losing this love that we have been given. This is actually a path to being filled up. It is not a path, though it feels like death, it is not actually the path to death. I want us to leave us here to consider to consider this. This is a good time this week to consider the voices that we're listening to. What are they saying? Where do they come from? What is the actual power they have in their life? Um, and I want us to consider, um, um, in the midst of that, Christ. Consider the object that he has made us. And then consider what new possibilities of worship and devotion that that can lead us to that will give us a new kind of freedom. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for Paul. Thank you for calling him. Uh, Thank you for using him um, through many sufferings uh, to bring this gospel um, to the ends of the earth that we are ultimately our beneficiaries of now. But thank you ultimately for Christ that you have given yourself to us. I pray for all of us that you would help us to discern these voices, that you would help us to see the love that you have devoted to us at the end of the day, that we might be full, we might be free, and we might be empowered to love in a new and fresh way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.